All right, first off, can we start off properly? How about them Raiders? Woo! Alabama lifeboat. Make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. Each week, we talk movie news, rumors and rumblings, and we give you a detailed analysis of a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry, we will warn you before we go into spoilers. Please stay tuned till the end of each episode for our weekly recommends, in which we each suggest something that you need to check out ASAP. And remember, you can find all our episodes at madaboutmoviespodcast.com, and you can email us at madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? Tom Hanks' return to fine cinema, Captain Phillips. This is Mask, Alabama. We are an unarmed freighter. We have a potential piracy situation. Coffee, Alabama, you should alert your crew. Get your fire hoses ready. Chances are it's just fishermen. They're not here to fish. So, we're not doing baggage claim? Did that, did, did I get outvoted there? <laughs> I know you. I know you wanted to see Paula Patton, but that movie looked terrible. Well, I just want to let you know I saw it anyway, <laughs> and it was awesome. And it and there's no way they they thought of the name baggage claim before they wrote the movie. I mean, there's <laughs> there's just no way. I mean, it was just perfectly yeah. written screenplay. Right, just came and, together. And I'm excited to talk about it later with you guys. <laughs> so, um, but you get it because she's like going through all her romantic baggage. Yeah, <laughs> I get. Oh, it. I no, didn't even I know. It. Wow. That's it's, that's it's a, that's a uh, deep man. I didn't double meaning. Oof. I was a lit major. You know, I see these things. That's right. So Tom Hanks is back. He's back, man. Finally, we get a movie of Hanks being Hanks. You know, right? It's been yeah, a while. And man, we haven't really done it. We haven't done a Tom Hanks movie on this podcast, have we? No, I we're think almost so. fifty. I think fifty episodes or movies in into this uh, this journey we like to call Mad About Movies and haven't even done a Tom Hanks movie yet. So it's crazy. It's about time. And uh, it's going to be good to talk about the old Hanksy. It's also going to be good to talk about the new movie, About Time. Yeah. <laughs> movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. All right, guys. Well, let's let's talk a little bit of movie news. I know there's a lot, a lot of movie news, rumors, and rumblings this that um, transpired this past week. I know Brian, you've you've been texting us a lot of a lot of movie news rumors rumblings. I have, and I don't remember any of them. So I hope you uh, jotted them down. Well, let me let me see what I got. I did jot I did jot them down because I Sweet. knew you would forget. Um, let me see. I got a. You counted on you to be an idiot. That's right. You know me so well, kid. All right, we've got Marvel news. That should ring a bell for you. Sure. I don't know, dude. I can't remember Ant- anything. Ant-Man. <laughs> Ant- yeah, there we go. <laughs> you literally told us today. You told us this morning. <laughs> it's been a long day, man. So, go. It's yeah, talk about morning. Ant-Man for us, Brian. Yeah, so the the rumor is that uh, for Ant-Man, which is an Edgar Wright movie, who we're, we're all big fans there, I think, uh, the, the guys that they are considering for the lead in Ant-Man are Mr. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Mr. Paul Rudd. Uh, two, I think, very interesting uh, ideas. I've already seen Joseph Gordon-Levitt said no, he's not doing that. So maybe that 
maybe that's crap or maybe that's just posturing. I don't know. But uh, what do you guys think about this? Well, I'm, I'm just wondering when we're going to get a superhero movie casting rumor that doesn't involve Justin Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. I yeah. feel like ever since, I mean, even before The Dark Knight Rises, every new movie that's come out, it's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is being yeah. eyed for random Marvel Avengers. And he's being eyed for Superman and, I mean, everything. Everything right. has been... He's been rumored for everything, so I'm, I'm not going to believe it until I see it, really. And I, yeah. to be honest, I'm kind of surprised, and I don't know if we talked about this uh, a few weeks or a month ago, whenever we broke the news about, about Ben Affleck, but I'm really surprised that he didn't end up being in Batman. I, I, yeah. I really thought that that's, that's what Warner Brothers' whole plan was the entire time with the way they ended Nolan, spoiler alert, the way they ended Nolan's trilogy. Um. And, you know, and, like, Ant-Man is just not one that I see him going for if he's going to do one. You know, I I, I think he's going to wait for maybe a better opportunity. But, I mean, Edgar Wright's an amazing director. Like, yeah, it's going to be a great – it's going to be a great film. And we've seen the the little test footage that he shot for it. Yeah. And it looks to be something that's never really been done before as far as Marvel. You know, this could definitely be one of the more special – special ones especially i mean they're they're so confident in this yeah and it's something that no one you know this will become the original take on this character for most people yeah it's not like there's a lot of ant 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 man fans out there in kind of the general world so it has a chance to really be something unique yeah and and they're put they're they're releasing it in the same summer as avengers i mean uh about two months after i think avengers is may and and ant man is going to be in in july or august so i mean this is going to be a, a very big tentpole film for Marvel, and it's just Paul Rudd, really. And and when I, you, and, and when I let me let me just say when you sent me the rumor, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Ant Man, and then Paul Rudd's like his sidekick. <laughs> but then I went online and I and I read the story, and it said no, they're they're actually eyeing Paul Rudd to be Ant Man. And I was very surprised at that. What are your What are your thoughts on that? I I love that. For, as far as Joseph Gordon Levitt goes, the thing is with him, he's he's young, he's hot, he, and he can do both comedy and and drama. So if you it, whatever you're wanting to do with your superhero movie, whether you're wanting to go more the comic route or the serious route, you can use him. You know what I mean? I think that's why he is such an in demand actor when it comes to that stuff. But I, as much as I love Joseph Gordon Levitt, I personally. Like, I would never think of Paul Rudd as a guy that I'd want as my superhero, but as soon as I saw that, that blur- the blurb and then read the story, I was like, yeah, dude, that sounds that sounds really cool. Because I think it's, uh, look, I love Paul Rudd, for one thing, and for another, it, that's such a different choice. Yeah. It's a little bit, it's, it's certainly risky, but in my mind, I, I kind of want these standalone Marvel movies that aren't, I guess they're all going to play into the Avengers some way or another, but the these kind of side, not so popular uh, superheroes, I I want them to take some chances and do something different and weird. Um, sure. So like we're in the same galaxy where Chris Pratt is the star of a superhero movie. So why not Paul Rudd? I think that's a. I really I'm very intrigued by that. I think it's a very interesting idea. It could be a complete and total flop, and it could have everything. I mean. Literally a hundred percent of the issues could be well. Paul Rudd's not should not be in your superhero movie, but if they pull it off, that's a it's a kind of ingenious move. Yeah. 
on your on your Chris Pratt point, I think that Pratt really hasn't established himself movie star wise yet. Sure. And and I mean he's done Parks and Rec and you know things on TV, but as far as movies, you know he's done serious stuff like Moneyball, Zero Dark Thirty. That's really what mm-hmm. people know him from movie wise. So people really don't know who Chris Pratt is yet. You know, I think Paul Rudd has really established himself. Like him and Jason Bateman have just really established himself as a one kind of thing that they do. In movies, sure. You know, yeah. And that's that's what's so confusing. I I I think it could work, and we're gonna have to maybe do some research and, and try to find the Ant Man screenplay online somewhere and and see why they're trying to go this direction, but. I've heard it's more of a comedy. I mean, it's it, right. it's borderline comedy. Well, you would think so with Edgar Wright. I mean, you would think sure. that that's kind of where they're going. And and you, it's hard to take a character that turns into an, an ant-sized person, right. and, and make it that serious. And you know, there's got to be right. a, a comedic element to it at least. To me, this is like Marvel's version of Green Lantern, but because it's Marvel, I trust that it's going to get done right. You know what I mean? Like Green Lantern. Kind of did the same thing. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is, is at least closer to an action star than than Paul Rudd is. But but I, I think, at least for me, I think of Paul Rudd as, I mean, excuse me, of Ryan Reynolds as more of a, a comedian. So taking that and then kind of having this strange superhero that's not really necessarily relatable from a human standpoint. Um, so to me, there's a lot of similarities, but I just trust that Edgar Wright and Marvel are going to do it right and put an actual comedic spin on it rather than an unintentional uh, comedic spin that Green Lantern was. Yeah, you know, man, you just know that Ant-Man's going to be awesome. Like, like, I don't, I don't know if we've really given props to Marvel like we should be at these directors that they're picking for these movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with with Guardians of the Galaxy next summer. But James Gunn, like, that could end up being a genius move. And Edgar Wright and Joss Whedon, like, that's that's just like a dream, a fanboy's dream come true with those three guys, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, it's I, I'm just super, super excited about, about where it's going. Who's, who's directed Thor The Dark World, which is which is next month? Uh, it's, a guy, it's a guy from Game of Thrones. Okay. So, I mean, no surprise there. It'll probably be very evil. Game of Thrones. I I think, I mean, even if it's not comedic, we should say, I know that Rudd theatrically has done a lot of serious work, like in the theater on Broadway. I know he did King Lear at one point. So I think he has a little more range than we give him credit for. It's just, you know, film-wise, we're so used to seeing him in these sort of, Apatonian comedies, but I think he, you know, if you go through his stuff, he's done some kind of weirder stuff. So, sure. you know, he he might be able to pull it off more than more than we think. I'm just trying to present all sides of the issue there. Sure, and it's it's not the the acting that concerns me really, because I think he can play anything. It's the physicality of it. Yeah, that's a great. Point. I just don't know if if audiences are going to be able to take him seriously in a like fighting. You know, that's 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 all I'm saying. That's that's. No, it's a great point. And I think I would enjoy it, and I, I know I, that Edgar Wright can make it cool. I just don't know if, if it's going to work. Like you said, Brian, the mass audience might not agree. Hey, we don't want to see right. Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Just give us right. I Love You Man 2 or something. You know, like, right. it's just – we you never know. With, I I like Paul Rudd, man. I just – I want him to do something 
in this realm. I just don't know if Ant-Man's it. I, I'm I'm waiting for Bradley Cooper to do the superhero thing, too. We, you know, he's doing Rocket Raccoon. Well, he's doing Flash, isn't he? Has, I, is, I don't know. I feel like that was official at some point. I, I thought he's Flash. I think there was a rumbling that we discussed. Could totally be wrong, yeah. Um, so yeah, Justice League is is coming down the pipe. So we've got to we've got to figure out who's going to be yeah. involved in that. <laughs> well, I wish I could get excited about that. I really do. I just man, every decision that is being made in that that Warner Brothers DC world is just is not good to me. Have uh, you heard about this Larry David and Batman rumor? No. no. What? Yeah, there's this rumor that Blum sent me online that. Ben Affleck is trying to get Larry David cast as Alfred. In this, is either Alfred or some people think Lex Luthor. What? And, dude, look it up. It's on Radar Online. Wow. Um, wow. In this new Superman. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that would make this officially dude, the worst we movie totally ever. We joked about that. <laughs> a, month and a, a month or a month and a half ago when we talked about this, we're like, how great would Larry David be? <laughs> will, they, uh, will they score we it? Michael Keaton back as Batman and then Larry <laughs> right. David... Right. Will oh, they sorry. score it with Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah, I music? hope so. <laughs> I would watch an Alfred movie with Larry David as Alfred. Lex, Lex Luthor just, just walks in. He's just complaining at Bruce bum, Wayne bum, the whole time. Bum. He's just whining at him about his habits. Uh, <laughs> that would be great. That would be a way better movie than Batman vs. Superman. Let's write that. <laughs> we could do the David thing and just write like eight pages of script right. and just let him do the rest. Gosh, that'd be great. How great would it be if they just came out and be like, yeah, you thought, we told you we were going a different direction with this Batman <laughs> Superman. Guess what? Larry David's Alfred and J.B. Smooth is Lex Luthor. Here you go. Have fun. Uh, I love it. How I instantly get... psyched would we get for Batman and Superman, knowing it was basically just L.D. and Leon? You know what's uh, sad is that it probably would make it more enjoyable than it's oh, going to end up being. Oh, no would, question. You know what? It's going to be like, well, that movie sucked, but at least it had Larry David, J.B. Smoove <laughs> <laughs> in it. They're starting to film this weekend for, for Batman Superman. So Yay. There's no turning back, I guess. <laughs> the scene they're, they're shooting this weekend in L.A. is a football game between the Gotham Rogues, I guess, and the Metropolis somethings. So, just as cheesy as as you could possibly get, I guess. For you guys know, like I see, I see a lot of movies. I mean, I'm gonna, I see every movie. I really, I really don't want to see that movie. There is, <laughs> I have no, in, there's no way it can be good. There is no excitement in my body whatsoever for that movie. I just, I don't know if I can do it. I really, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? It might end up being. The, the movie that knocks Now You See Me off the, off the pedestal. <laughs> There's going to be one that comes and sneaks up on us, I'm sure. Hey, I can tell you what it's going to be. What? Now You See Me Too. Because <laughs> well, well, they'll probably put Now You See Me Too right up against Batman Superman the same weekend anyway. So we'll do a double a double dose, Batman Superman wow. Now You See Me Too episode. Oh my gosh. Do you think there's any way we get invited to that screening again? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm going. I'm just letting you know. If we're invited, I'm going. <laughs> there's there, no. There's going to be a movie that comes out in the next year that's just going to sting us. <laughs> that we're just not going to see it coming, and it's just going to rot our minds away. I wonder. I, I've been thinking about that because this this upcoming kind of Oscar award season seems so good, and always there's one of these movies that comes out that just isn't that good. 
Yeah. I'm really curious what it's going to be, but I, so far I just can't even fathom. Yeah, I think I think the fifth estate is is going to yeah, be Yeah, that's a little kinda, bit of a dud. That, yeah, that, that's a that, good that point. seems like like a dud because I mean it's just so political. Yeah. That I mean it'll probably be pretty interesting subject matter, but I mean things like that. It reminds that, me you, of uh remember that Clooney Ryan Gosling movie? Yeah. Uh Ides of March. Yeah, that which everyone was convinced was going to win every Oscar and they're like, "Oh wait, nope, this is terrible and boring." Yeah. Clooney and and Gosling are great, but you know, and that's kind of how Cumberbatch feels in this one. Yeah, there's there's a there's so many coming out that it's just too many to name right there right now. But there's gonna be one out of the fifteen or sixteen that we think have potential that one or two that are just gonna be stinkers. And but it's hard to tell because why would a studio wait so long and wait to Oscar season if they knew it was bad and didn't have a chance? Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. like that's part of my hesitation. Is because, I mean, this is the release window for good movies. And when movies aren't good, studios find the September or the January the next year to, to release them. So, right. I have very, very high hopes coming into yeah. this fall. I really I do. think we'll, I'm sure we'll see a couple of stinkers in the next couple of months. I think December looks like it's going to be three or four movies every week that are going to knock us out of the park. I mean, it, it man, that looks, looks so strong. Yeah. I've got. I've got a little news involving this these upcoming weeks and release windows. A movie that we weren't sure was going to make it into Oscar season is making it into Oscar season, and, and we should be happy about this, guys. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street is going to be released in 2013. Yeah. There, was, there were rumors that it was going to be pushed back because, um, Richard, actually you and I have a friend who works at Paramount, mm-hmm. uh, our friend Shane from high school. Shout out to Shane if he's listening. Uh, works in the subtitle department at at Paramount, and and we were talking on Facebook, and I was just like, man, hopefully you guys have some good stuff coming down the pipeline because I, it's hard for me to forgive you guys after GI Joe Retaliation. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed, and he was like, yeah, we got we've got a lot of stuff. We got we've got Wolf of Wall Street that's coming in, and I was like, really? I heard that wasn't going to make it. He was like, no, it's it's going to make it, but the the cut that Scorsese turned in was three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. So they're having to cut literally an hour out of this movie pretty much to, to get it into theater. So all I said to him was hopefully hopefully we get a director's cut. Right. Because that means there was just a lot of good footage, you know, between a lot of probably stuff with Jonah Hill and DiCaprio. And, man, I'm just really, really excited this movie is going to come out this year. And I know you are too, Brian. I am, but I, I in some ways I, I kind of wish it would get it would have gotten bumped to next year, just because uh, this year's gonna be so stinking good that uh, that movie looks great to me. But I I for any of these great movies, I feel like man, it the competition is so thick for for awards and for just general audience presence. You know what I mean? Like it's it's gonna be tough for all these movies to to uh, compete against each other. So. But I am very excited about Wolf of Wall Street. It looks, uh, I mean, if DiCaprio doesn't get an Oscar nomination this time around, like, <laughs> surely he's done something horrible to the the committee, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's murdered somebody. This has to be the year. It. This is yeah. Or, you know, fornicated with one of their daughters, which is probably right. yeah. likely. <laughs> <laughs> what if Jonah Hill gets another nomination? I, which I can, per- I can definitely see happening. Yeah. 
just something you had never. I mean, after watching Superbad, you would have never seen. Man, <laughs> hey, in my opinion, ten years, this guy's going to be nominated for opinion, two Oscars. You should have gotten one for Superbad. <laughs> That's arguable. That, that could have been so the best picture that year. It really that could should, have. It really could have been. That's the perfect movie. That and MacGruber are the two greatest films ever made. <laughs> no, but seriously, Superbad's so it's good. But... I can't argue with that. Really <laughs> you can't argue. I mean, I'm just saying, if you were on a desert island and there were two DVDs left and they were MacGruber and Superbad, you would not be bummed out. <laughs> yeah, you got a point. You really do. Because you could watch MacGruber twenty-two and a half times in, in, in a day, so it'd be great. Sounds like the greatest day ever spent. <laughs> it does. By the way, Forte might be in town, guys, for that premiere. I know. We need to get. We got to find out if he does, and then we got to get him. I'm just gonna. I seriously will. I'll go up to him and go, "Look, man, I love you. I love you so much. I'm gonna <laughs> fill you up." But other than that, I know you may never make MacGruber two, but. Here's my business card. If you ever do, just if you ever don't, just send me the script. I just want to read the script. Right. Here's my email. You know, just promise me that you will send me the script if you guys don't make it, because I have to know what happens. I promise you know, I'll do that. You know what we can do? We can seriously go to the to the premiere of Nebraska at the film festival and be like, "Hey, Will, you want to go out for a beer after this?" <laughs> and you know, we're from here. We wanted to run some stuff by you. <laughs> uh, just pitch you some stuff. I mean, no obligation to say yes, but you'd be like, yeah, we'll just walk across. We walk across the street in downtown Sunnet Square, you know, go over to Flying Saucer or something. <laughs> hey, hey, Will. McGruber in space. <laughs> and you know, his face will light up immediately. And then, and then before you know it, us three are co writers of McGruber too. <laughs> MacGruber in space has to happen. I want full gravity special effects, but with MacGruber. <laughs> what if MacGruber had just shown up at the end of gravity and saved the day? <laughs> All right, Sandra, I'm going to need you to hold on to my backpack. We're going for a ride. Uh, Gotta want to get a throat rip in here. That's where you come in, buddy. Classic MacGruber. Um... <laughs> Guys, a little TV news I want to I want to talk about before we get into Captain Phillips' talk. Brian, I know you've said multiple times, and Richard and I have agreed with you. One day we want to live in a world where Tina Fey and Amy Poehler host every oh. award show. Yes. So, and, and Amy Poehler is married to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll take Tina Fey. That's fine. That's fine. I know every, most people would. I just got a special place in my heart for Amy. Yeah, I want to... Lick that scar on <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> so the Golden, really Globes, the Golden yeah. Globes have booked have booked Faye and Polar for the next two years. Which, I mean, why not do 20? I didn't see the two years. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So the next two years. And my, my first question to you guys regarding this is, why do we even have the Golden Globes? <laughs> and um, can't... Polar and Faye just do the Oscars instead. That I mean, like, do, do does anyone care about the Golden Globes? Other, I mean, the, there's no award no. significance at all. No. Is there? No. But here's here's it's the thing: the biggest though. party in Hollywood. Exactly, yeah. and because of that, it's it's fun. Like, it's yeah. way more fun to watch the Golden Globes than it is the Oscars or yep. the Emmys or the Grammys or any it's, of those. It's, like, it's it's the Oscars without the pressure. So yeah. it's just kind of like a cool dry run where everyone's going to have fun and. 
Yeah. Plus, you get the combination of TV and movies, which is kind right. of cool. And every once in a while, the Golden Globes make up for either the Oscars or the Emmys screwing up. Like, Michael Scott does not have an Emmy, but he has a Golden Globe. So at least there's that. Like, I know it doesn't mean anything, but there's a part of me that feels like at least somebody that has a national TV audience said, hey, by the way, Michael Scott, one of the greatest characters of all time. You know what I mean? Like, that's such a small thing to hold on to, but I don't know. That and I bet more casting gets done at Golden Globe parties than anywhere else because, like, you get those all those different kind of worlds together. Yeah. You know, and so people get to meet each other. It's just I, – I, lo- I love the Golden Globes. Always has been my favorite. It's my favorite night of the year in Hollywood. I like it more than Oscar night. And I love Oscar night, but uh, – well, I guess they're just kind of different, right? I mean, Oscar night is, is great for, for other reasons. But as far as pure entertainment, Golden Globes is the best award show every year. Right. I totally agree. I'm just wondering what significance the awards themselves None. have. It's just it's which is not, you, yeah. You can't have the show without the awards. Just an excuse to have the show. Sure. Yeah. You know, oh, here's your Golden Globe trophy. I'm sure most people don't. They don't even make home. I do kind of like, and and you know, I know the Oscars will never adopt this mentality, but I do like the splitting it up between dramas and comedy music yes. for best picture. Yeah, totally. I agree. Okay. Totally agree. Because there are out- so many comedies that never get. I mean, that if you were to rank that year the top ten movies, one, two, or maybe even three comedies would sneak in there. But the fact that it's the Academy, they kind of, you know, they throw comedies by the wayside a lot of times. And, you know, a lot of these years we look back and say, wow, Superbad was hands down, (coughs) excuse me, hands down one of the top ten funny best movies that year. Yeah. And, you know, The Hangover. And there are these movies and the bridesmaids and that, that come along that do culturally make an impact on people and cinematically as well. So yeah, it's, it's something that I do wish the Oscars would would kind of adopt. But I mean, hopefully in the next couple of years we see more comedies start getting in there. I mean, there's a lot, there's comedy performances that deserve to be recognized, like oh, Bernie. Absolutely. Bernie, we talked about, you know, Jack Black. I mean, that was. As close to an Oscar-worthy performance as you're going to probably get from Jack oh, Black. Oh, sure. So, why can't the Academy recognize Except like for that, School you know? of Rock! <laughs> oh, I mean, that's true. That, that is literally his second best <laughs> Maybe first best. But do you know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. Like, like sure. I mean, I just, sure. I just hope we get to the point where comedies are as significant as dramas. Certainly. Which I know yeah. it's not, but... It's an actor's no. medium, but it's hard I, to be funny. <laughs> it is. And I always think like when you're doing drama, all you have to do is worry about being convincing. When you're doing comedy, you have to worry about being convincing and be funny. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a whole extra kind of thing to it. I mean, no, there's so many. I mean, gosh, of the like 30 best performances that I admire, like most of my life that I think were really like groundbreaking, crazy performances, I would bet 10 to 15 of them are comedic. And it stinks that those people will never get the recognition when they, they, you know, have the same amount of talent. Michael Scott being a great example. Yeah, apparently Steve Carell's in a movie coming out this this December or January that's amazing. That's by Bennett Miller who did Moneyball. Yeah. It got bumped oh, yeah. to next year. Did it? Yeah. Okay, I was worried about it's that one. Catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a dark horse. That's one I didn't see. I didn't put it on my Oscar prediction list. But apparently, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it gets 
the recognition it deserves because Carell needs an award. He needs <laughs> Carell's incredible. <laughs> Let's just I just need to say that Carell's amazing. Good point, Brian. Thank you, Golden Globes, for that. For That's right. At least and thank you for giving us them. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Yes. For the next. They're two years. so great, man. They are. They're just. And also one of those Ricky Gervais years. I don't remember which one, but one of them was funny. <laughs> That's true. They they just oh, they he overstayed his welcome a little bit. Too, sure. Too long. But you really with Tina and and Amy, you you honestly you feel like they're being honest. You know, they're really the good friends and they're really joking around like that instead of like a say Franco Hathaway combination. <laughs> you oh. just know that it's just. Why'd you bring that up, Chance? Ugh. Yeah, like sorry. <laughs> The worst, but I do like the dual, the dual, um, the dual hosts. I, I, I wish it would be Steve Martin, Martin Short. Oh, oh yeah. that's the all timer. That's yeah. gotta be done. We'll make that happen, somebody. Why hasn't Martin Short gotten ever <laughs> Dude, offered? Did you think he's even been offered? I don't know. I've been saying this for Brian can tell you five years. Yeah. It's been my biggest that and John Hamm Superman. I've been my biggest two things I've been campaigning for, and I have to have one of them before I die. And, but I would say this is even more of a no-brainer. It ha- yeah. He's literally, and this is not my line, this is a Conan line, but I will say I've been fighting this fight longer than Conan. Martin Short is genetically engineered to host the Oscars. He is literally <laughs> built to be the greatest Oscar host of all time. Yeah, it's true. He sings, he's mean. The thing that you have to be is mean, but that no one gets mad at you for it. Right. And that's exactly what Martin Short is. He can insult you horribly, and you don't even really know it, and everyone loves him to death. And also, he's a great singer and great songwriter and great joke writer and sketch performer. I mean, he... Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah. It's all right. We got Franco and 90 more years of Billy Crystal. <laughs> Who do you think we get first as Oscar host? Martin Short or Neil Patrick Harris? Ooh... Neil Patrick Harris. I think Neil yeah. Patrick Harris is probably about two or three years away from getting. Yeah, he's on the short list at this point. He's, yeah. he's being groomed for for the Oscars, pretty much. Yeah, which is fine. I, think I he's really good. enjoy him. Yeah. yeah, I think he could do awesome. And he's he's another person that he he's really good at sketches, like singing and dancing, but also at a monologue. You know, I think I think that could be really funny. So hopefully, they're, hopefully, they're, they're, who is it this year? Ellen, Ellen doing the Oscars. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. Hello. It's actually going to be Kate McKinnon pretending to be Ellen. Yeah. That's fine fine with me. By the way, she absolutely murdered it last week on SNL. Kate McKinnon is, let's just say, somebody needed to step up on SNL, and she has definitely taken over where um, Kristen Wiig and them left off. Man, good stuff. I also enjoy Cecily on, on Weekend Update. What do you guys think about her? I've yeah. only seen the one episode. I've only seen the Tina Fey episode thus far, but I love Brian, Sesame Street. Get on it! I know, man. Hey, I told you. Like I said yesterday, the shows I got to watch with my wife they take they take a little bit longer to get through than the stuff I watch on my own. So, hey, you know, my wife. I know she's the worst. Wife doesn't watch SNL. She does. That's the thing. Like, uh, if she yeah. watches the show that I watch, then I've got to wait for us. You know, we got to both be home, obviously, and be able sure. to sit down and watch it. It takes longer, so. Definitely, yeah. I'm definitely happy with with the new SNL cast. I think we talked yeah. about it last week, but oh, another week has gone by. Another show. Bruce Willis hosted this last week. Good stuff. I, I'm 
like like we talked about, I mean, probably six months ago we talked about this on the podcast. Like Lauren Michaels knows how to find them, man. You just got it's incredible how he finds these people. It just really is amazing. Yeah. But and so how, and Lauren, why haven't he found us yet? You know, we've just been sitting here. <laughs> Time will tell. Plotting away. A lot of these guys don't don't get on SNL till they're thirty five. Anyway, you know, Will Ferrell was old when he got on there, so we got time, guys. Just keep keep preparing your Spader impression, Richard. <laughs> You'll be out there. I'm coming really handy right now. <laughs> I used to think that was the useless impression. Now it might be one of the best ones. You're really That's unique. Tough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but guys, let's move on. Uh, that's enough rumors, rumblings for for this week. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let's let's talk about baggage claim. Listen up. We have been boarded by armed pirates. Stay hidden at all costs. No one any hostages. We will follow the procedures to lock down, go dead in the water, and wait for help. Stick together, and we'll be all right. Hey, hey, Where is the crew? I don't know. You think we're playing? You think we're no. playing? We're going to shoot somebody. Shoot me. Look at me. Sure. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Okay, guys. Where do I? Where should I begin with this? This this movie was one of the more, most predictable movies. I think that we've ever ever done on this on this podcast, and not for the reason where you know what's going to happen, because that's that is very obvious. But obvious in the fact that you just knew this movie was going to be great, <laughs> like Tom Hanks hijacking middle of the ocean, um, 
Somali pirates, a a camera view that is never on a tripod once the entire film. Yeah. Uh, just everything kind of works hand in hand in this movie. And we'll talk about specifically what we liked um, here in a minute. But I just want to get y'all's overall impressions of Captain Phillips. My overall impressions are Hanks being Hanks. I love it. I, I'm really, really happy he's he's sort of taken a step back, looked at his career, and said maybe I should be doing good stuff now. I don't have to do um, Larry Crown or Cloud Atlas you know, and that that that's hands down. The past three years have been the worst years of Tom Hanks's career. Are, I mean, probably other than early some early '80s stuff. But I, I'm just glad he's he's back to being Hanks. This is a really really good choice by him to be in this movie. It the last scene alone could pro- at least will get him a nomination. I think for an Oscar. Yeah. I I'm not sure this is in his top three or four performances in his career because see, I mean the, when you look at his career he's just I mean he is a walking Oscar pretty much yeah. so it's it's hard for him to get people to think of a reason to give him another one <laughs> at this point but I do I mean I feel like it was definitely one of his stronger his stronger performances a definitely a good really good effort by a supporting cast yeah, uh, I would say definitely the Somali actors sh- uh, shined here, and we'll, we'll we'll talk more specifically here in a minute about about them. But um, Brian Gill, I want to get your your overall thoughts of Captain Phillips. Man, it's uh, it kind of bums me. Well, it's not bums me out. It's the wrong word, and I better get used to it because I think because I know December is going to be this way. But I <laughs> I talked last week with Gravity how I felt like I hadn't seen a like a really good movie in months and uh and it's kind of kind of a bummer in a weird way to go from man it's been a pretty dry few months and then two of the maybe four best movies i've seen this entire year came in back-to-back weeks um i mean this is just this is straight this is just a great movie um and i think uh to echo what you said kent about hanks I mean, golly, uh, very, a very different performance than I expected in this role, I guess. I, I, I really thought the interesting thing for me was as I was watching, I was thinking, man, this is a really good movie. And Tom Hanks is great because I love Tom Hanks and I love seeing him on screen in something that's not Dan Brown or Larry Crown, you know? Um, so it's just great to see him. But the entire time I was thinking, eh, this is not a great performance by him. This is just a good performance. And then in the last 30 minutes, he, uh, I mean, dude, he just brought out the big guns in the last 30 minutes. And it's, it's not all him. A a lot. I think a a great deal of the credit goes to Paul Greengrass, the director who did just a a fantastic job with this as a whole. But one of the, the strongest aspects of the film is that it builds so incredibly organically and it's kind of it's kind of a slow build on the performance scale which is i don't really generally i don't think you see that that often i feel like most great performances it starts out strong and just carries through for the entire movie at least in a, in a leading role i mean a lot of times a supporting guy you, you know uh, a, a, a great supporting role could be 
uh, five minutes in the middle of the movie. You know what I mean? So, but it builds and builds and builds and the film builds with it. And then you get to the end and he just, he crushes it. And uh, man, it, it, it kind of, I, it very surprisingly wrecked me. Like I, I found myself tearing up at the end of the movie and I, yeah, I did not expect that at all. And now I cry in movies a lot. So I'm, I mean, I'm pretty easy on that front, but I hadn't had any kind of real emotional in- connection to the movie until the final like 15 minutes. And then Tom Hanks just destroyed my life. I mean, it was just such a strong, <laughs> strong performance. So I, I, I kind of do think that this man, it's hard with a guy like Tom Hanks because he's so great and he's been doing this for so long. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure that this isn't the best that he's the best thing he's ever done. Honestly, the best performance he's ever put out. I would put it with, it's so hard, man. It's so hard with Tom Hanks, but Buzz the Buddies and Turner and who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think his performance is in Phil- yeah, in uh, Philadelphia and Saving Private Ryan are probably the two best for my for my money. And Angel this Stevens. is this is right there with with those 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 two. So and Angels and Stevens. shut up. And uh, yeah, so yeah, no, I it's would... uh, it's fantastic. I, I I love this movie. It's 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 a great great movie. Yeah, I would still I would still probably put Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump as one and two. <sighs> I, I do like Forrest Gump, even though a lot of people I hate hate that, hate that movie. But oh. I I do think that that Hanks brings it in that movie, and it's just an immensely quotable quotable movie. But yeah, I I agree with you, man. Like a lot of reviews I I read for this was man, Hanks just absolutely kills it in this movie. It's just yeah. back to being Hanks, and I'm like, man, super stoked to see this. So I go and see it today. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, and I go and see it today, and like you said, Brian, the first two thirds, I'm just like, oh, this is fine. You know, yeah. it was, I enjoy it because it's Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks is probably the most enjoyable, likable actor ever right. in, in American cinema besides like James Stewart or something. And, and so Jeremy Renner, fact- right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. That's really funny. <laughs> Oh man, my! I actually great. like Jeremy Renner, but I know you guys hate him, and, you, and you're both right. Like he's he's completely charisma. I don't hate him. Yeah, I think he's a really good actor. I just think he has no charisma. He's just it's just a random name for you to say. Yeah, and Jeremy yeah it was it was just the perfect. It's not like Thanks. he said Kim Thanks. Kardashian or something. It was just the perfect right. amount of joke that made it funny. You're no, but that's yeah. yeah Sorry to ahead. derail Sorry. everything there. Yeah, that was really really funny. But I mean, just the fact that Hanks is on screen, I enjoy that. Yeah. Totally. You know, yeah. and and for for the most part, I was getting just normal Hanks, but mm-hmm. like you said, the last bit of it, he just absolutely brings his A game, and and we'll talk more when we get into spoilers. But but Richard, I know you saw this today as well. Give us your thoughts on Captain Phillips. Yeah, I mean, I'll <laughs> I, sometimes podcast probably suffers because we tend to agree on everything, so I'll try to bring up different stuff. Loved it, loved Hanks. Um, can we just officially make this? I know the government's in you know, a, a tenuous stage right now. So it might be time, some time to uh, incorporate some new laws. Um, a new one I would like to think about, and this is really important, uh, is that only Paul Greengrass is allowed to use shaky cam. Yes. Sure. Yeah. O- only one that knows how to use it. And he makes it awesome. It's always great. And everyone else needs to just ha- 
stick to the tripod and let's do it. But he shoots the crap out of this movie, and it's yeah. not confusing or disorienting. If it is, it's on purpose. Right. And there's, like, actual, like, planning to it and a method to it. it he's just a really, really great director. And, like, really accumulating quite the filmography, too. I mean, uh, like I'd kill for him to do another Born. Yeah. But, he's uh... Too. Renner's in it, though. Ugh. Yeah. Never mind then. Um, <laughs> Not a joke, by the way. <laughs> I heard, uh, I hear the whole two hours just a runner in a cardboard box having a staring contest. <laughs> and he's not opening his mouth, but still speaking yeah. dialogue. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, cardboard box steals the show, I heard. But <laughs> the, uh, yeah, but just, I don't really like, like Brian knows this, I don't really like care much for the C. Uh, yeah. Sure. And so I probably found this a lot more exhilarating than most people um, just because I hate to see it and adds a whole different element of fear that uh, other pe- human beings uh, that function well don't have. <laughs> um, but I'm with you, dude, on that, by the way. Like, I was getting nervous in a couple of points. When Brian it was... and I, if you want to see Brian and I completely lose it, just put the ocean anywhere around us. Like, we probably both cried during The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, dude, did you not cry during Little Mermaid? Uh, I mean, the I ending of Little Mermaid literally makes me ball. Not the ending, now. just the beginning when they're <laughs> no. in the sea. That was no. that's the part. <laughs> that's the part. It's not. It has nothing to do with any sort of emotional uh, epiphany. It's just the fact that they're in the ocean and the, right. there's creatures. Yeah. Um, terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but the kind of the sense of isolation that that Greengrass put out throughout this movie. Uh, just uh, so good. So, so uh, yeah, I liked it. I I actually think this might be, well, you guys may not agree, maybe a better movie than Gravity. Better movie. But visually, I think Gravity takes the cake. But as far as, like, thematically and sure. the amount the of time I was... story. Yeah, the amount of time I was nervous and story-wise... Yeah, there's a, there's a better. lot better arc here than, yeah. than in Gravity. Gravity's just... A yeah. cinematic marvel. I mean, there's no yeah. other words. Really. No, it's absolutely. Just, and and yeah. that—that's a whole different thing, and it's hard, it's unfair to grade it sure. against this or this against that. But yeah. I just, I, as far as like a standard movie goes, this was probably better. Uh, but I don't think Gravity's intent was to be rated as a standard movie. So I sure. understand that being said. But yeah, anyway, Ken, sorry, go ahead, lead us on. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a very very suspenseful movie, and I was hoping. That before I before the, the screening started, I was like, "Man, is this going to be as suspenseful as Prisoners?" Because I mean, that's the the one this year that we all agreed was quite. We were on the edge of our seats, and this movie just. I mean, I'm not even going to think about Prisoners after after this, as far as this year in suspense. I mean, this it took so many things that we've seen before, like a Tom Hanks in the middle of the ocean. And B, like a hijacking with um, like Air Force One style hijacking, which is an all yeah. like, I mean, when that movie came out, everyone was like, oh, that that was awesome. The hij- they hijacked Air Force <laughs> One. Like, this is just some random Somalis take over a ship. Like, this is just, it's real, first of all. This really happened. <laughs> I think we should mention that for, yeah. and I don't know if they specifically say, based on a true story, verbatim in the movie but i mean stuff like this happens all the time and it's just the suspense here was amazing and mm. i love the way 
that they that they set up the the suspense. And the first at the beginning, I, I thought it was very typical, very typical beginning, and I was very underwhelmed by the first ten minutes of the movie. I would say it started off just like Castaway to me. Tom Hanks saying bye to his wife. I'll, I'll call you mm-hmm. when I get there. And yeah. I was just like, oh, not this again. Um, but it was kind of some really bad exposition for sure. five minutes, and then it yeah. got and then immediately it was bad. It was like our our kid, blah blah blah, and they were yeah. arguing in the car and stuff. And I was like, yeah, just get on brutal. with it. It's like get on yeah. the ship already. So so once they get on the ship is. Obviously, that's where it, it starts to get going. But so <laughs> you mean the uh, the, the uh, Somali pirates will just ride? No, so when the Somali pirates, the, the way they set up the Somali pirates is when I what I want to talk about because so Tom Hanks I guess gets a warning from from the U.S. maritime people that hey watch out for pirates near Somalia. So he's like okay. So he starts to get really nervous and and he's like all right we need to be doing drills for this because I need to, we need to be prepared if something happens. So he starts making the entire boat do these safety precaution drills. Everyone's like complaining about it. You know, oh man, this is never going to happen, everything. But so I love the way they set it up that while they're doing the drill, he glances down at the radar and sees yeah. the two things. That was just a, that was yeah an amazing yeah. moment in this movie. That was the moment in this movie Yeah, when the music stops and you see his eyes look down and he, the realization that this is real comes over his face. I mean, that's, that's when it gets going. And I really, really like the stuff with the pirates trying to get on the ship. Mm -hmm. I think that as far as action, that was just some amazing, amazing storytelling. So what did you guys think of, of that sequence? And specifically what I liked about it was the fact that the, the pirates go there and their engine blows out and they go away and they think they're off scot-free and then they end up coming back, you know, yeah. later uh, or in a few, a few minutes into more into the movie. So what do you guys, what did you guys think of, of how they, how they shot that and everything? Uh, Brian, I guess go ahead first. Yeah, I thought it was a great sequence. And uh, I, one of the things I think that makes the movie so good is that you, as you said, and I kind of echoed Kent, the, the first five or six, ten minutes as he's not on the ship are, are kind of bad. You start to get a bad feeling, but it gets started really fast. Like, the the, the action and the, the main plot and whatnot, like, they get kicking really, really fast, and you jump right into it, and then you're, you're off. And I, I like that, uh, that style of storytelling. Um, but I, I thought it was a great sequence as they're trying to board the the ship and he's trying to fight them off and and even once they do board, I uh, I didn't follow the story too closely when it's uh, when it actually happened um, in real life. I'd love to know how much of this stuff is factual because uh, one of the things that I really dug was there's so many little things like I, I I'm a pretty smart guy and I perhaps foolishly feel like if I, I pretty observant if i if i get into a situation not necessarily like a hijacking but some kind of uh strange or potentially dangerous situation like i could handle myself fairly well um but he was and most of the time in movies i in a situation like this i feel like uh you know i i yeah i'd do that i get that totally he was busting out some moves that uh i i was like man that's really smart i'd love to know if if the the these things were factual or if this was just Hollywood and things like that. But, uh, like the calling the fake gunship, um, and scaring off one of them and, and, uh, one of the boat, the pirate boats and, uh, 
uh, amping up the the wake and all that sort of things. It was a it was a very drawn out sequence, but but I think quite quite well done uh, to get to that point and kind of demonstrate or, or illustrate, I guess, how I'm assuming some uh, the majority of this stuff is is at least relatively factual. I, I loved the illustration of how smart this guy was and and what a great job he did to fight this off as as well as he could given the the circumstances. I thought that was a very cool aspect of the film that I didn't necessarily expect. Yeah. I I'm reading an article here, Brian, and it it came back it came out this week, October 13th, uh 2013. It's from the New York Post and the headline is crew members say Captain Phillips is one big lie. Okay. So maybe factually it's not 100% accurate and I need to read this article. It's a very long article. Yeah. That I can link in onto the website or tweet me if you want to want to link sure. to this article. But yeah, I'd be interested to know too because there were several moments in here where um for instance, say you know the Somali pirates get onto the boat and they're barefoot, right? Yeah. And so they John McLean them. Yeah. yeah, one of them notices that they're barefoot, and they radio to the other pe- the other crew that's downstairs. Hey, these guys are barefoot, so leave some glass down there. Right. So these guys are looking for you. They'll cut their feet up. So when that happened, I was like, oh, they're going to go total Home Alone style on these people. And, <laughs> and they're going to trap these pirates in this ship, and it's going to be awesome. And so after they only did the glass, I was like, well, they're probably staying accurate to the actual story. Because they could have, and I think it would have made an awesome movie if they had done a few little more tricks, you know, like figured out how to trap yeah. these guys a little easier. Turn, turn it into Skyfall, like the end of yeah, end of Skyfall. no, not yeah. necessarily like that cheesy style, but I mean, there cinematically that could have worked better, and it, I mean, and it, it, I could tell they were trying to be accurate there, but I mean, I I wanted a little more fun. I guess in that in that sequence, I don't know hmm. if that's a good thing to to say, but um, I think they could have done more there um, with that. But so the movie takes a a crazy turn, um, and it's something I didn't expect. You know, the first I would say third or maybe half of the movie it takes place on the actual cargo vessel, and so they give they give the Somali pirates a way out. And Tom Hanks says, all right, we'll give you $30,000 if you let us go. And we'll give you our boat and you can just leave, you know, whatever. I never, I didn't expect the movie to go in the direction that it did after the little lifeboat um, thing happened. So Richard or Brian, whoever wants to speak up and talk about, did you guys expect it to go where it did at that, at that point? I mean, no, I, I knew nothing about the story. And, and that's why I think thematically I liked it more than Gravity because there was just a lot more twists and turns for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just 100% on for the ride. I didn't, I didn't see anything coming. So Brian, you might be able to speak to it better than me. No, I mean, I knew they ended up on the lifeboat at some point just based on the trailers, but I did not anticipate that that was going to be over half the movie, uh, would, would be on the lifeboat rather than the big cargo ship. Yeah. So it was a great twist. I thought what was going to happen was, um, the crew was all going to die and, <laughs> That it was just going to be the Somali pirates with Tom Hanks on the ship, and somehow Tom Hanks was going to escape on the lifeboat, and then it would, but he was going to have no communication whatsoever or something, and so it was going to be cast away all over again. Him just 
floating away in this lifeboat by himself, hopeless, waiting for someone to come rescue him or something. <laughs> but what actually happens, and spoiler, spoilers coming up now for Captain Phillips, um, Tom Hanks gets stuck on the lifeboat with the Somali pirates, <laughs> yeah. which was awesome. <laughs> when that happened, I was like, oh, this is, this is crazy. I didn't, did not see that coming at all. And it was awesome. And especially the way Greengrass shot it. Yeah. Like it really could have gotten quite claustrophobic at that moment. And you really do kind of get this sense of claustrophobia, but not where it's overbearing, you know? Yeah. And I think he did a really, really good job here. Um, cutting back between the, the Navy ship and, and the lifeboat and everything and the rescue Mm -hmm. mission and, just the the acting, the pure emotion that went into the, the lifeboat stuff was was awesome, and, and that's really the, the the point where you got to see the Somali actors acting too. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I had heard so much about the lead Somali actor. I don't know his, his name. Uh, it, starts it starts with a B. It starts with a B. Yeah, Abdi, I think, is perhaps but, how you say it. So he was great. He, I had heard, yeah, I had heard going into this that, man, he almost steals it ahead of Hanks on this. And I was like, man, they really found somebody with this guy. Barkad Abdi, that's his name. So I, did, I really I really didn't get the sense that he was, you know, an amazing actor until we got on the lifeboat. Yeah. And First thing he's ever done, man. It's incredible. I was, uh, I read a, I was reading a story about him before we started recording, and he uh, he's actually from Somalia moved to Yemen and then ended up in Minneapolis driving a limo when he got cast uh, in this movie. It's the first thing he's done. It's pretty I, crazy. Uh, I've got a lot of family from Minneapolis and it is a huge Somalia po- Somali popura- population. There we go. Eight times the charm. Um, that's a huge like hotbed of, you know, with a lot of them have gone interesting culture up there. Yeah. That's crazy. But I love the, the negotiating between the Navy and the Somali pirates and I, I really felt scared of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did a great job of, uh, of showing – here's what I think – what I really like about this movie versus like Greengrass's last movie was, was Green Zone, which I really didn't care for very much. Oh, that was bad. I didn't see it. That was bad. I think the difference is on that one, he, he really hit the, the political aspect of it just really hard, just very heavy-handed. Um. I thought he did an excellent job in this movie of showing the Somalis, especially especially the main guy and the, the kid, the younger one, showing them to be, I felt like, very true to, to real life in that it is very unfortunate that these people live a whole life in the country that they do, um, and they certainly don't have the opportunities that we have. But without making that, without I felt like he didn't give them an out to uh, to be pirates. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Like he, I felt like he he, he kind of came in and showed that things kind of suck over there, but there are still other options and things like that. And I loved that he kind of steered clear of the political minefield, I guess, of making the Somali pirates out to be more sympathetic than they really should be. Um, and did a great job. I think that comes out more and more in that boat where you kind of get, you kind of get both sides of, you know, it, it clearly they don't really, 
a couple of them at least don't really want to be there and doing this stuff, but they are, and this is the way they go through. And, and you get a great sense of the conflict between, uh, the four of them, the longer they stay on that boat, which was a really cool aspect as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And you don't, I really like the relationship that builds between Hanks and, and I guess his name is Muse in the movie. Yeah. His character's name is. Yeah. But you don't. You really didn't know at the end what was going to happen. Like who was going to save who? Was one going to sacrifice himself for the other one? Right. Um, was Tom Hanks going to like adopt the guy or something? I thought, <laughs> I thought it might have gone like that. Like, hey, you know, I'm alive. That's fine. But don't make sure this guy doesn't die. You know. Right. And it says at the end that the guy is serving 30 years in in yep. prison for for pirating, but. I, I've pirated a lot of stuff in my day, and I'm still. <laughs> so I want to say what's up to our friend Marvin at the NSA. <laughs> um, but man, this movie was awesome, and there's not a lot to say other than it's just what you expect. It's great. It's a great thriller. I, I recommend seeing it. Um, I had a few issues with it, though. I felt mainly, and this is my only real real issue was that it felt like it went from day to night like multiple times yeah yeah that's true especially when they got on the lifeboat i feel like it was like four or five days that it transpired there mm. and i never really got a sense of the geography of i thought one of the ships was like broken or the the original cargo vessel bay was, or cargo ship was broken or the like, power was out or something but they were still somehow following the lifeboat um, there are some technical aspects with the geography and and the boats that that confuse me a little bit. But I mean, probably if I watch it a second time, I it would be cleared up. You know, like maybe I wasn't paying attention like as much. Did you guys get that sense at all? Or um, yeah, a little bit. I, I I'm with you on the 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 flipping back and forth between night and day. That seemed to happen a little too much, and I did feel like at one point they said. At one point, I really felt like he said, okay, it's only going to be 36 hours till they reach the Somali coast. And then I definitely know that it changed from night to day at least twice. So yeah. um, now part of that may have been, I think they, they tried really hard to make it clear that they were off course and not able to follow the same timeline maybe that they would have. It, it did seem odd that some of these little throwaway lines maybe didn't all go together. Um, if you really thought about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it didn't, it certainly didn't hinder my enjoyment or appreciation for, for the movie as a whole. Richard, any issues with the film? Hmm. Brian touched on mine earlier with the, the heavy ex, uh, exposition early on, which has just been, I feel like maybe I, maybe I, we've just, we've seen a lot of movies. We see a lot of movies. I may watch things more critically than I have in the yeah. past, so that might be it. Because I never really feel like I've noticed it that much. But uh, what was the other? Oh, Rush, which I loved, had a bunch of really bad exposition. Yeah. Um, and this this had some stuff too. So I mean, that's really my main criticism. Which you know, it's still a great great film. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, oh, the biggest complaint I have is that it took place on the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, it if this was about a train robbery, gosh, I like, <laughs> I like it a lot more. It probably wouldn't have been near as interesting if it wasn't on the ocean, though. I mean, 
Let's be honest. Land pirates, not that interesting. Um, but there's, yeah, there was a few issues in it. I mean, nothing over overbearing at all. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that we had gotten a little bit um, more insight as to what the Navy was planning on doing, on how they were going to rescue the people, you know? I can't, they sort of say that for a reveal at the end, and you sort of get a sense of what they're going to do. But I wish they had tried multiple things, like maybe failed a couple times or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's the freaking Navy SEALs. Like, you're telling me that they couldn't, like, jump on top of that freaking boat or, like, scoop it up with something. or You know what I mean? Like, I actually they, lo- they I, had three I ships that that around it. And, like, kind of perfect. I loved that. The, the, the idea that they had to, uh, to tow it in and use the other ships to create extra wake and all that sort of stuff. I thought that that was yeah. kind of brilliant. I actually really liked that part. Sure. Yeah, it turned out great. It was just it was sort of unbelievable to me. And, and in a real-world situation, I don't know if it, a boat would be surrounded by three battleships and the Navy SEALs and helicopters and snipers, and it would take that long to rescue the people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, and I, I totally understand why they did it, and it, it definitely works here. But um, I would like to, like you said, Ryan, I would like to go back and see what what was factual and what was what was not about this movie. Yeah. But, yeah. man, at the end, let's talk about the end. Hanks, when he gets rescued, just – it's a different – it's like – it's almost as if he – like they filmed all, all this all this stuff at sea, and are they like, all right, Tom, we've got all the stuff at sea. We need all 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 you have left to film is the stuff in the hospital and when you get rescued. So, all right, we'll uh, we'll fly back home. We'll see you in America in a month. And mm-hmm. so they get back home, and in the meantime, they edit the the movie. Tom Hanks sees the movie, everything but the end, and he's like, all right, screw this. I'm going to bring, I'm going to do this now. And now I'm going to start acting, you know, like he saw what he had done before. He's like, this isn't quite as good as it should be. And so at the end, he just lets it all out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, He just absolutely like, and I agree, Brian, I I did not expect to be emotional at the end Mm -hmm. because it's so predictable that he's going to get rescued because he does. And the guy lived to tell about it and write the book and everything, but it, he just brings it out of it. Of you and Hank right. just has that ability, that uncanny ability. Really, it's right. it a great, a great little and, performance. And the movie too, Greengrass, especially like that's really the first moment where he allows for an emotional release, which I think is kind of a stroke of genius because you, I think in a lot of movies you would of this this sort you would have these kind of, I don't want to say false, but but at least. Um, I don't know, I guess I'll just say false moments where you try to force that in rather than just kind of let it go. And so the way that he, the final, you know, moments on the boat, on the lifeboat are so impactful that it, it gives you a good reason for, for Hank, for, for Captain Phillips to, to lose it and to go into that, the mode that he does in those final five minutes, you know what I mean? And that's, that's a, that's that's as much green grass as it is Hanks because I I felt basically what I'm saying is I felt like they worked in conjunction uh, pretty much perfectly yeah um, through really throughout but it, it you don't necessarily see it come to fruition until until the final couple of scenes yeah man this might be the year of the Hanks we yeah 
It, it's, it's looking about like time it, something finally went his way. <laughs> no, but like yeah. he's got this, and he's also got Saving Mr. Banks coming out, where he plays right. Walt Disney, which which might end up being awesome too. But I mean, this is a tough year for for an actor, definitely. Yeah. I think Christian Bale has American Hustle and and some other stuff coming out, and right. um, our boy McConaughey, of course, Dallas Buyers Club and Mud. I mean, yeah. what else is he going to do? Wolf of Wall Street as well, right? So. Gosh, this is a, this is gonna be an insane year for Best Actor. Right? Better year, Cumberbatch or McConaughey? Well, I cool. Cumberbatch, I think, has definitely cemented himself as a movie star. Um, don't know if Fifth Estate is gonna be up there, but I think uh, his performance will. I think his performance will be great because yeah. he's Cumberbatch. But I, I agree, I, this is the year of Cumberbatch, but not as an actor, but just as a movie star. You know, <laughs> I think. Definitely Cumberbatch is a name that people will, will seek out and see his movies. Um, this is going to be just an insane year. I, I just don't know if – if and, and Brian, that's – you might be right. This might be Hanks' best performance. It, time will tell, and you know I guess we'll see come Oscar season if, if the Academy feels the same way. But, I mean, it's yeah. just it's just so refreshing to see Hanks do this, and, and hopefully you know he's on the right track again. So – uh, Brian, what's your grade for Captain Phillips? I'm just going to go with a straight A. Richard? I'm going to go with an A as well. A. I'm going to go A too. Triple A. All right. Nice. So man, I can't wait for us to find a movie that one of us loves and the other two hate or vice versa. That would be fun. There wasn't one there one days. that I liked a lot less than you guys. Maybe the, maybe you went off on Oz, and but neither yeah. one of us like really we never liked really. It. We just gave it, it like a B, and it was okay, yeah. but you you tore it apart. So, yeah, there's gonna be there's I, I have a feeling there's gonna be a few uh, Gosh, coming that's a up. Terrible movie. <laughs> I just wanted to confess that I actually liked Now You See Me. <laughs> putting on this act yeah. the entire time. I got you. It's actually a pretty good movie if you go back and watch it. We gotta watch it. We had some listeners that want to watch it with us. Yeah, we do. Let's let's make that happen. Let's I can pop set some up popcorn. Yeah, I can set up a webinar. Everyone can log in. It yeah. Could be fun. yeah. Um, all right, guys. So we're two for two now. Gravity was awesome. Captain Phillips is awesome. It's this just looks like an amazing. I, I think I read an article this past week that said something like, and somebody else agreed with this. This might be the best year of movies since like 1939, which was Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz year, mm. or 94, which was the maybe best year ever in, in movies with Pulp Fiction. What else? Dumb and Dumber came out. Shawshank. Shawshank, yeah. Oh. Just crazy, crazy stuff in 94. But, I mean, this 2013, random, totally random. Um, this might be a, one of those years. So, man, two for two. Can't wait for next week. And hopefully we're three for three because we like good movies. Uh, but, guys, let's move on. And let's do weekly recommends, shall we? Alright, I don't know if we've done this I don't know if any of you guys have recommended Or something like this before We've done, you know, books and, and everything before But I'm going to recommend an article okay. uh, From the New York Times Or New York Times Magazine, actually I mean, I'm a big Apple fan And I, I actively seek out a lot of stuff Um especially literature, nonfiction literature about Apple and the way Apple works and everything. And I've read a, I read a book called Inside Apple this past year, which 
I'll mention, but I'm not going to recommend it because it, it's a if it's a book about Apple and you're claiming to give an inside look at Apple, I, I expect an inside look at Apple, not just stuff everybody already knows. But this article, written by Fred Vogelstein from the New York Times, called "Steve Said Let There Be an iPhone," it, it goes. It's a basically a behind-the-scenes look at Steve Jobs' uh, keynote for introducing the iPhone in 2007. And it's a long-form article, and it's probably the best Apple article I've read as far as giving you an inside look at what goes on behind closed doors. It's just an absolutely awesome uh, look at, at Apple and at Steve Jobs, and it, it's just an amazing um, article. That I mean, you just have to read it. I can't really put it into words, but I mean, you have to read it. If you have an iPhone, which you probably do, probably listening to this on an iPhone, most of you are, uh, check it out. Really, really interesting stuff. It's a really, really easy read, and I'll, I'll link it on madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Just click on Weekly Recommends to, to read it. But I suggest Brian and, and Richard to, to read it, and it's just a really, really interesting article about, about no. Steve and about <laughs> Apple and about the iPhone. Um, I miss I miss Steve's keynotes a lot. Oh, we all do. And his keynotes were incredible. So this definitely gives an awesome look at not only the the keynote itself, but at the production of the iPhone and what Apple had to go through to make the iPhone. Which I mean, that's the holy grail. If people know how they made the iPhone, I mean, that's they they keep a lot of their their you know product secret about how they do things. And this is just the best look that I've seen about how. How Apple does it. So I'm going to link it on on our website. Check it out um, from the New York Times. Let there be an iPhone. So that's my own quick recommend. Um, Brian. Yeah, I'm going to. As you, if you're a listener of this podcast, you know that we are all big fans of the documentary. Um, and I watched a, a interesting documentary this last week that I'm going to recommend. Can't I don't think you ever picked this as one of your weekly recommends. So if you did, I I apologize. But uh, it's a movie called Room 237. I have. Uh, it, I did pick that. Okay. Back well, then I'm just going yeah. to second that then. Um, it's very interesting. It's an entire movie, a uh, documentary about The Shining, the Stanley Kubrick film from 1980, I believe. Not the book necessarily, but the, the, the film. Uh, I'm going to tell you right up front, I think that it would be much better served as sort of the 30 for 30 style, like an hour long sort of film, not uh, two hours was, was too long for what you're, you're really getting here. But it is a still a, a very fascinating watch. And the entire point of the film is it gives you, I would guess there's probably 12 or 15 different uh, people, some scholars, some just general conspiracy theorists, uh, writers, such, um, who are presenting their case for the true meaning behind The Shining. Um, and it's a very interesting list, list uh, thing to watch because, especially when you, you'll have like the same scene, one of the scenes in particular where, where the kid in The Shining turns around in the game room and sees the two girls, I believe for the first time. Um, I think there's four different people in the film who point to this one scene and then point to the exact same things in the room and tell you that this symbolizes something, something completely yeah. different. And it's, it's, so it's a very interesting thing to, uh, to watch and, and kind of, as the movie goes, you kind of get the feel that pretty much everybody that was interviewed for the film is crazy, 
but sometimes crazy people are fun to listen to, I guess. So uh, it's a, it's very cool. And uh, like I said, I, I, I kind of got tired of it after a while and drifted on, and I, I barely paid attention to probably the last 30 or 45 minutes. But the first hour itself, I think, is worth watching, and it is on Netflix, and uh, Room 237 is my, my recommend for what the did week. You- Specifically, Brian, what do you think of the Apollo 11 theory? Oh, I think, I think it's total back crap crazy, but I think it's interesting. You know, that's that's the yeah. thing with crazy people is you can talk to a crazy person for five minutes and they'll give you their theory on whatever, whatever it is, whether it's the moon landing or JFK or whatever it is, they'll give you their opinion and for five minutes, they can make a compelling argument. And you're like, okay, I mean, that's kind of, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. But if you let them talk for 10 minutes, then you realize, oh, they're, you're crazy and you don't have anything, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. And that's, I think that's the case with this. It's presented in a very straightforward way, which I appreciate in a documentary. They basically just let these people talk. And so the longer they talk, the more assured I became that everybody that was talking <laughs> nuts and that's kind of fun so uh it was it was a it's definitely a cool watch it's something that i think anybody who's listening to this this podcast is a big obviously a big fan of film and uh the shining is i think obviously one of the more iconic films of the last uh 30 years or so and so it's it's very interesting to see i think i said interesting 37 times in this uh (laughs) little bit but uh, it's cool to see the difference of opinion in what all this means and just how far people will run with it if they are convinced of something, you know? Yeah, it's a bad sign when Jack Nicholson is the sane one on set. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> it's less like a documentary and more like a commentary. Yeah. I mean, it basically yeah. just shows footage of The Shining and then people huh. commentate under it with different theories. Right. It's really well. It's it's very well put together. Would you would would you agree? Like I agree, and it, it definitely would help if you watched The Shining like right before or right totally, after. Totally. Yeah. Like if you haven't seen The Shining in ten years or more, it might be a little hard to follow. But yeah. But I mean, if you watch it right before and then Room Thirty Thirty Seven, I mean that's mm-hmm. gonna be great. You're gonna have a lot of fun doing that. So yeah. Good recommend. I, I need to check it out again. Definitely. I didn't. I haven't seen it since. I think I watched it on demand. Like. Back when it came out in last January or something, okay. but yeah, good. I'm glad it's on Netflix. Good, uh, good recommend, Richard. This will make you happy, Kent. Uh, one of your favorite movies of last summer, and one of mine as well. But uh, out on Blu-ray, Pacific Rim. You got it. Yeah, man. I, I, you know how tempted I was to go today and pick it up. I really <laughs> was. I, I, I was I'm, in I'm delaying I was inevitable. In, I was in Best Buy today for another reason and saw that and had to. Had to hit that up. So, uh, yeah, awesome movie. Perfectly trans. You know, the HD thing works obviously very well for this. Very, very rewatchable. Um, I'll probably, you know, just because, you know, this movie will be on TV forever. Um, and it's just very enjoyable. So, yeah, highly recommend it. Sweet. Did any good special features on the Blu-ray, Richard? Uh, not that I've checked out yet. I'm sure there are. Uh, I had the I had the Blu-ray for uh, Pans as well. There's some really cool stuff on there, so I'm excited oh, nice. to kind of, kind of delve into that. Yeah, I'm hoping there's a comment, a Guillermo commentary on there for Pacific Rim. I'm hoping. I, I love director's commentaries. I, I did read today that Guillermo confirmed in an interview that he's working on Pacific Rim 2 right now, the script, so... Good stuff. Cool. We 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 were I think we were speculating when it came out in our Pacific Rim episode. We were like, is it going to make enough money overseas to justify a sequel? 
And turns out the answer is yes. It made like ten times more overseas than it did in the U.S. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah Pacific. The, I, I'm starting to think that I'm maybe in the wrong country because two biggest movies were Pacific Rim and Rush. Everywhere else, and here it was. You know, now you see me in Man of Steel. I heard that Pacific Rim is the top-grossing film of the year. That's not a sequel or franchise already. So that's good. Yeah, at least it's not now you see me. Yeah, exactly. Brian Gill, we're gonna find you online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at bgill12, or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, you can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barton and. On my new website coming soon, richardbarden.com. Kent, where might I find thee on these interwebs? Find me on Twitter at Kent, K-E-N-T, Garrison, with two R's. And you can find the podcast on the internet at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Hey, get on there and get us some five-star reviews. Send some feedback. Email the show. We'd love to have you guys more involved. And, uh, you know, do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah, please. Tell your friends. Man. And thank you for those of you who have been listening and telling your friends because we're growing. And, you know, thanks for – I just want to say thanks for people who have been supporting and listening because it's not us. So whoever you are, thank you. Um, anything else you guys want to mention about Captain uh, Phillips or anything before we get out close, of here? The closer you are to me, the less you can really see. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And on that note, until next time. We will see you at the cinema. See ya! See ya! Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home